So our readings from Psalm 120, a song of ascents. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, you deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Thank you, Grace, for reading. And do do keep your Bibles open there at Psalm 120. Um, Don't worry if you don't happen to have your Bible with you this week, but do, I would encourage you to bring your Bible um, every week, whether on your phone or a paper copy, and to keep it open as we we look at these uh, Psalms together. We want to be guided by God's Word, uh, not my thoughts. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we uh, turn to His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, for your help as we turn to your word. Please, would you be at work in our hearts uh, that we might be those who read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest by faith the truths of your word, that we might be nourished in the faith, built up and strengthened, that we might live lives that glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. imagine yourself, you're in the middle of the um, Israel countryside in the Old Testament. Um, From over the hill, you you see a group of people uh, in the distance walking your way. As they get a little bit closer, you can see that there are all ages and stages. There are children, there are grown-ups, there are folk who are elderly. And as you peer, you can see that they're, they're carrying luggage, bags, and tents, and food. As they get a bit closer still, you can start to hear a noise. It's a kind of murmuring noise. And you think to yourself, what, what is that? Is it, are, they, are they arguing? Um, are, they, are they chanting? What, what, what's that noise? And as they get closer still, it then dawns on you, ah, they're singing. They're singing, seeing you, and as they they draw up in front of you, they stop to talk, and you ask them, you say, who who are you? And they say, we're Israelites, we're we're God's people. And you say, well, where have you come from? Oh, way, way back there, miles and miles and miles at the very north of the country. And where are you going to? And with a brightness in their eyes, they say, up to Jerusalem, to the temple. And you say, what's going on? We're there for a festival. We're going to a festival to praise the Lord in the temple. And you say, well, can I just ask, what was it that you were singing along the way? And they said, songs to keep us going. They're psalms. 
the songs of ascent. Over the summer months, we're going to be looking at a number of the songs of ascent. The songs of ascent are those from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And these different songs, they were written at different points in Israel's history, but arranged together into a kind of hymn book for Jewish pilgrims as they traveled up to Jerusalem to the temple for various festivals. And I think there's going to be real benefit for us in looking together at them because, of course, we too are pilgrims on a journey. If we're trusting in Christ, we are pilgrims. The Bible reminds us how in this world we're strangers and exiles, how we walk a narrow road to life in the words of Jesus, how we journey by faith to our true home, to the holy city, to the new Jerusalem, as John describes it in Revelation 21. Not the present Jerusalem in the Middle East, but the new Jerusalem, the city that is to come, Hebrews 13, in that better country, Hebrews 11, that place where God will dwell with his people and wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, we too, if we're trusting in Christ, are pilgrims on a journey. And just like those Old Testament pilgrims in the land of Israel, we too need encouragement to keep us going. We need uh, permission to lament how difficult life on the journey can be at points. Uh, we need reminders of where we're heading to, our destination, so that we have the strength to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And we need the assurance that God goes with us and loves us and helps us as we journey. So that's what I think the Psalms, the, the, these Psalms, the songs of ascent, are going to provide us with as we look at them over the summer. Uh, these Psalms, they've been arranged in groups of three. And the first group is Psalm 120, 121, and 122. And they're all written from the perspective of different stages along the journey. So Psalm 120 um, is about the starting point, uh, somewhere very, very far away from Jerusalem, as we'll see. Psalm 121 is about the journey itself. And Psalm 122 is, the de is about the destination, Jerusalem and the temple. Well, we're going to start this morning with Psalm 120. And like I said, the psalmist writes this psalm from somewhere very, very far away from Jerusalem. Just have a look down at verse 5. He says, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Meshech, that was in the far north, outside of, the, outside of Israel. Uh, Kedar was a bit closer, but it was, it was hostile territory. Now, in mentioning these two places, the, the psalmist isn't giving us an exact GPS, an exact postcode of where he's writing from. Rather, he's giving us a flavor of the kind of place where he lives. He's writing from a remote hostile place, far, far away from home in Jerusalem. And it's really, really grim for him. He talks about being surrounded by lies. Just have a look at verse uh, 2 and verse 3. Save me, Lord, 
from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you? And what more besides, you deceitful tongue? So this place far away from Jerusalem is a place steeped in lies. It's the kind of place where truth struggles to get airtime and lies bombard the airwaves. A kind of place where the truth about God is suppressed and pushed down and silenced. A kind of place so deceitful and deceived that liars get celebrated as truth-tellers and truth-tellers get castigated as liars. A place where many people prefer comforting lies over unpleasant truths. I came across this, this graphic, um, really helpful, just demonstrating that propensity to, to prefer comforting lies over unpleasant truths. So that's the kind of place that the psalmist is. A place where what someone feels like believing becomes their truth, no matter how ungrounded, implausible, or fanciful. He is surrounded by lies. Save me, Lord, from lying lips, from deceitful tongues. And of course, I think we can relate very much so to the psalmist in our post-truth world. Surrounded by lies. He talks as well about living among those who hate peace. So have a look at verses uh, 6 and 7. Again, describing the place where he is. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they they are for war. See, the psalmist is writing from a place of conflict, a place where communities are torn apart by violence and murder, where families are torn apart by argument, a place of strife, and suspicion, a place where the voice of peace gets drowned out by the rallying cry for war. And again, I think we can relate in part at least to the psalmist and his experience of that place. How does the psalmist feel about living in a place like that? Well, I think it's very evident. It comes across everywhere in this psalm. Verse 1. I call on the Lord in my distress. Save me, Lord, verse 2, from lying lips. Verse 5, woe to me that I dwell in Meshech. Verse 6, too long have I lived among those who who hate peace. The psalmist hates living in this place. It causes him distress and anguish. He feels alone and isolated and disillusioned and weary, longing to be somewhere else. But don't think for a moment that the psalmist has somehow lost his faith or forgotten about God. It's not that he's kind of consumed with self-pity and lost the perspective of faith. No, this psalmist is full of faith. Note how he he doesn't wallow in self-pity, but calls on the Lord. Verse 1, in my distress, I call on the Lord. 
You know, so he doesn't just record his laments in a journal. He brings them to the Lord. That's a sign of faith. Nor is he deaf to God's voice. He seems able to discern God's answer. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. He, this psalmist knows that God is there, that God hears, that God cares and answers. And he doesn't just resign himself to living in this place. He calls on the Lord to save him from it. Save me, Lord, from lying lips, confident that God will one day bring justice and right every wrong. That's what verses 3 and 4 are about. What will he do to you? You deceitful tongue, punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows. He's confident of the Lord that he will bring justice. You see, just because he feels distressed and lonely and disillusioned and weary and alone doesn't necessarily indicate that there's anything wrong at all with his faith. This is the honest lament of a troubled believer living in a land that is far away from God and hostile to him. Well, what does this psalm teach us? And we'll spend a bit of time thinking about that. Well, I think there are, this teaches us a number of really, really important lessons for life on the road, this journey of faith that we're on. Firstly, it reminds us, I think, that as believers, we just don't belong in this world. Now, of course, this psalmist's experience, it, it, it is particularly bad. And because God is gracious, not everywhere is as bad as what it could be. It's, yes, some people yeah, in our world are bent on violence, but God provides authorities to restrain evil. And whilst, of course, violence and lies can be a feature of our society, many people, even when they don't acknowledge God, hate conflict and long for peace and hate truth, hate, hate lies and love truth. So thank God that not everywhere is as bad as what it could be. But nevertheless, I think this psalm reminds us that we don't belong in the world. And that actually it's okay to feel a certain discontentment with it. Of course, contentment is an important uh, character trait, not always to be looking to the next thing, but to be grateful to God for what he's given us, of course. But there is also a place for godly discontentment with the world. Like this psalmist, to feel a right sense of distress and loneliness, discomfort, and even homesickness. To feel like the Apostle Paul uh, felt when he visited Athens. Remember, what, how did he feel when he saw the city was full of uh, the lies of idols? How did he feel, we're told, greatly distressed, bothered that truth about God was suppressed? So there is a right godly discontentment with this world that we should feel. And actually, I suppose this challenges us because if we're too content and too comfortable and not at all homesick, but really rather settled and happy here, then maybe in a world that is far from God, well, maybe that is a bad sign. 
because the person of faith, like the psalmist, ought to feel a certain distress, sadness, even weariness in a world which is far from God. Of course, weariness isn't the only emotion that the believer will feel or come to other emotions, joy, optimism in coming weeks. But distress and weariness, they can be godly emotions too. So I wonder, like the psalmist, are you bothered by lying lips? Do you feel distress that the truth about God, when the truth about God is suppressed and silenced? When lies go unchallenged, do you feel that right sense of not belonging here? Or have you become just a little bit too comfortable living here in a world, in a land far away from God? I think this teaches us that we don't belong here. Second lesson I think this teaches us, it teaches us to take our unfiltered laments to the Lord. I think the psalmist here sets us an example. Um, like I said, he doesn't wallow in self-pity. He doesn't just record his lament in a journal or share them with a friend, but he brings them to the Lord and asks for help. And note as well how he doesn't sugarcoat his lament, but he really does pour out his heart unfiltered. You know, he's full of respect as he prays to the Lord. But note, he doesn't praise or thank God in this psalm when really all he's feeling is distress. I just find that quite interesting and quite a challenge. I guess if it were me writing this psalm, I think I'd be tempted to try and put things more balanced or put it in more perspective, to phrase it more positively. Uh, thank you, God, that even though I'm surrounded by lying lips and people who hate peace, you are with me, something positively framed. But now this psalm shows us that God is okay with us praying unfiltered prayers, pouring out our hearts to God. We don't need to be settled and calm and have things in perfect perspective before we can speak to God in prayer like this psalmist. So we can take our unfiltered laments to the Lord in prayer. Feel, feel permission to do that. Thirdly, I think this teaches us to look to Christ and to Christ's coming kingdom. Because of course, as you think about Christ, he really is the polar opposite of the people of Meshach and Kedar. Um, unlike them, Christ is for truth. His, his lips are truth-telling lips. His tongue is always honest. We see that as, we, as you read the Gospels, don't you? Um, he doesn't flatter us with uh, pleasant lies and comfortable lies. Now, with great compassion, he tells us how things really are. Like a kind friend, he tells us the unpleasant truth of our plight, of the danger that we are in, of our need to get right before God so that we may not face his justice for our rebellion against him. Christ speaks the truth, unlike the people of Kedar and Meshach. He's the opposite. 
And not just does he speak the truth, but also he's for peace. They, the people of Kedar and Meshech, they hated peace. They were for war. Christ is for peace. And in fact, is the ultimate peacemaker. At making a way for us to enjoy peace with God. Making a way to deal with God's right hostility against us for our sin and rebellion by the cross. So that when we wave the white flag, we can be reconciled. We can have peace with God and made from an enemy into a friend. So Christ, he is the polar opposite of the people of Kedar and Meshach. He speaks truth and makes peace. And likewise, his coming kingdom is the very opposite of these uh, remote and hostile places. His kingdom is a place where truth reigns where lies are banished, where you can uh, pick up any newspaper, if they have them, and read and know that what you read is really true. A place of peace. His coming kingdom will be a place where tanks, as one person has put it, will be repurposed as tractors and guns repurposed as gardening tools. A place where conflict and uh, disunity dissolves into harmony, a place where distress is replaced with joy and gladness. And that's so important for us to remember if we're believers, that yes, we live in a difficult world, in a hostile world, not as bad as it could be, but nevertheless difficult. But we have a wonderful, wonderful Savior and an amazing future ahead of us. More on that amazing future in weeks to come. So it points us to Christ and to his kingdom. And then finally, I suppose it, I suppose it poses this question, um, maybe to you if you're not um, yet a believer, if you're still working things out, if you're still thinking about it all, um, are you disappointed with life in this world? You know, are you, like the psalmist, are you tired here? Do you also feel the pain of a broken and messy world? Do you also long for somewhere better? Do you feel as if something or someone is, is just missing? You think of that uh, U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Brilliant song, of course, because it resonates so much with our experience of, of life. Is that you? Do you share the psalmist's feeling of disappointment and disillusion. Maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, you were full of optimism about life in this world. And you felt this is all going to be great. And now you just feel let down that those promises have just fallen flat and you're jaded. Well, if that's you, can I encourage you to, to pack your bags, so to speak, and to come on a journey, uh, to join us on our pilgrimage to a better city, to in, a, in a better country, to turn from your sin and to trust in Christ, that you too might enjoy the joy of sins forgiven, of relationship with the God for whom we were made, 
and of the sure and certain hope of a place in his coming kingdom. We'd love you to encourage you to do that. Do come and speak to myself, to others at the end. We'd love to help you in that. Are you disappointed with life in this world? Well, come and join us for a better one. Let's pray. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Heavenly Father, we do uh, cry out to you in distress, where we feel disillusioned, disappointed, weary, burdened. We call out to you and ask that you would help and save. And we thank you that in Christ, the one who speaks truth, you have made a way for peace, for peace with you, and for a certain hope of a wonderful, wonderful future. Please, Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes that we might see that reality, that that might give us strength for the journey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.